your friendly neighborhood world film geek, Albert Valentin. Welcome to the World Film Geek Podcast, where this month we'll be celebrating Pride with a series of interviews with LGBTQ filmmakers, actors, bloggers, and podcasters. We're kicking things off with an interview with Mark Schwab. He is the co-founder of Diamond in the Rough Films, who's wrote and directed the films Crisis Hotline and Brotherly Lies. Crisis Hotline is currently available on DVD, and you can check out Brotherly Lies when it debuts June 17th on the Fearless streaming channel. There's a free trial. The, the links will be in the description, and I hope you all get to enjoy this interview where we celebrate pride. All right. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your new film, Brotherly Lies. Oh, my God. It was so good. And um, thank you. How did, how did this, um, where did the idea come from for this movie? Well, Brotherly Lies is actually the, the plot of the film, kind of the idea I've been wanting to make for quite a long time, actually. It's been kind of a, a personal project that I've, it's always been percolating. And this was um, uh, just about December 2020, uh, at the height of the pandemic raging. And I had been feeling pretty, pretty frustrated, obviously, and not, you know, very insecure about what was going to happen with the industry or any of that. And so finally, I just said, you know, um, is there something I could do here uh, where I'm living now uh, that could be done quickly, safely? Uh, is that possible? And we also came up with an idea about tech, like a technical experiment. We came up with a different kind of camera rig uh, that I had never used before, we'd never tried, in which kind of one person could have everything on the rig. All this, all the sound would be synced automatically. Everything would be slated automatically. We didn't need a slate. Uh, so all the takes would be marked and also would deliver a great image. Uh, so we kind of wanted to see if it could be a real all-in-one thing. And in addition to that, uh, we had all the actors mic'd and uh, so we just wanted to see if we could do it very quickly. And I reached out to actors that I had known or worked with before, told them what the story was and that, you know, we'd shoot it in seven days and, you know, we'll take all the COVID precautions. We, you know, the, the space we're in is, has a lot of airflow. It's big. It's not a lot of contained spaces. And off we went. And so I wrote the script. Uh, I had had it kind of in, pieces but then I really organized it and we pulled it together and shot it in seven days yeah yep and speaking of the actors you worked with I recognized Pano right away from mm -hmm. Crisis Hotline yeah which was on my top 20 a couple of years back um because that was such a great movie and he did a phenomenal job in this film so it was great seeing him again in more of a lead role rather than yeah Pano was great I had, I had always wanted a good excuse to work with Pano again uh, and this time <clears throat> I really, I, I sent him the script and I kind of said, pick a part, you know, in a way like pick Shane or Lex or, you know, or Kenny, which one do you want? And he wanted Lex. And I was really glad about that because he wanted to do something really different. And so he grew his hair out. He got kind of shaggy and he really, I loved working with him on this. And he loved, I think, having the opportunity to really do something different from crisis hotline right and he uh he i think i think he found it a great experience and he did a terrific job it was it was really terrific the whole cast i thought did a tremendous job um host from yeah. jose to david and rob <laughs> they all did they did i mean the whole cast was great 
And I like the little twists in the film with what we learned about Lex. We learned, you know, why he, we knew what he did, but as the film progresses, we kind of get the little subtleties of why he did what he did all those years ago until bam, you know, it it hits you. That was one of the things that I guess if there is a, you know, kind of a theme that I was exploring a bit is how people um, process trauma in different ways and no one deals with loss the, the same way. Right. And even though David and Lex are brothers and they shared a, a traumatic event, they're both processing the fallout from that very differently. Right. And I, and I, and I want to do it without judgment. And I, I tried to do that, that they're, they're both damaged people. Everybody in here is dealing with some kind of damage that they've had yeah. to deal with. And they're doing the best they can and they're all in love with the wrong people and uh but they they have to express it yeah and i also like the fact that there's these little kind of like love triangles or a love story within it you're even in the movie you're i am i got you're hairy and i like i knew i knew right away like that was you when i first saw him like wait a minute that that's (laughs) i go mark's in this movie too wow how did that happen were you did that happen like by chance or you just said, you know, it was not, <laughs> no, it was not intentional. Uh, I, I had always planned to cast somebody in that part, somebody else. Uh, I looked at some demo reels. Uh, I was definitely looking local because I was already bringing Pano and Jose and Jacob up from LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all coming up and I wanted somebody local. And there was one person I, I thought would be very interesting, but they declined uh, probably because of the COVID issue, uh, which I wasn't surprised by. I mean, I, I, I was expecting that, but time was getting tight and my two of my producers, well, Mark Balunas and Tim Sika were the ones that really encouraged me at first to say, you should do it. And I was pretty dismissive of the idea originally. It's not that I haven't acted before. I did act in high school. I, I have acted in, in you know, independent right. films and stuff here and there, but I'm not an actor. I'm not a trained actor, really. Uh, I've always said, you know, I'm great in like a two-line part. Then I'm fine, you know, but, uh, but you know, with all the other things I was dealing with as far as scheduling and essentially being the first AD on set as well as the director, it starts to add up and now I got to memorize monologues and, and all that, but they were very encouraging uh, as well as, you know, it was funny because my husband, Steven was really handling a lot of the production coordination and a lot of the um, uh, budget stuff. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, Mark, if you do do this, if you act in it, it makes the scheduling easier and we'll save, you know, a few thousand dollars. <laughs> And I went, you know, why not? And it also just made it an easier COVID protocol uh, yeah. with masks and wiping down everything and individual, you know, catering and all of that stuff that we did. Uh, so in I went. And surprisingly, after the first, once I did the first setup as an actor, which was rusty, but then I started to really get into it. I actually got to enjoy it again. I kind of remembered why I did enjoy acting at one time when I was younger. And and luckily the cast was just really encouraging and very supportive and even gave me some good tips. I, I asked them a few pointers here and there, like how would, how would you approach this scene? Or, and they were very helpful. And I ended up enjoying it more than I thought. So it was mainly definitely not an ego thing. It was much more a scheduling and a financial reason yeah. 
for me to do it. Well, that's good because I gotta say you did a great job in the role of Harry. Because you know? just from your first scene where you're showing Kenny, you know, the pool thing, mm-hmm. and then you're slowly revealing your feelings to to Lex, you know, how you're feeling about him. You know, just from all that, you know, you it, it's you were natural, dude. It was like totally natural on the oh, side. It didn't, it didn't well, go it was, it was a part I that I did realize I could play it. I'm the age of that character. Uh, I can, I can, you know, we've all had that experience of having feelings for someone that they're not necessarily returned. Uh, so that was the other thing. If I really thought I couldn't play it, I wouldn't have, I would have found something else, but they, 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 uh, they, they talked me into it. It worked out fine. Yeah. I think, I think I would do a good job with this film. Um, and what Thank I you. see, what I'm liking today about the LGBTQ films today is that you know, back in the old days, there was a certain stereotype about how they're portrayed, you know, mm-hmm. the whole flamboyant thing. Nowadays, um, you don't get that. And I'm glad. I'm glad that it's, it's you know, because we're in a world now where it's totally acceptable and you get to see, you know, they're just normal, you know, they're just regular people like us, you know, and they, you know, it's, it comes off naturally, you know, they don't have to force themselves to act a certain way. And I think that's what's important. Yeah, I, I it's weird. I, I I was a big I was always a big fan of that documentary, The Cellular Closet. And you know, Harvey Fierston is interviewed in that, and he said he didn't mind the sissy in movies, uh, which was portrayed in a lot of films back in the day. And he said, because I'd rather have negative than nothing. And so I growing up, you're right, I didn't see many films that reflected what I thought my life would be right. uh, growing up in the eighties, you know, as a Gen Xer, but I was, I was grateful for anything. Uh, I was grateful for anything. And maybe that, that inform, maybe that does inform some of the choices I make because uh, you know, crisis hotline and I don't know what'll happen with this, but you know, I don't, my films don't have like a political ax to grind. Um, no, that's not just not, that's not the stories I want to tell. I don't think there's anything wrong with those stories, but that's just not what I want to tell. I, right. I want to just tell stories that happen to have gay characters in it. Yeah. Uh, and mainly it's because I, I, I'm aware of that world. I, I know a lot of, I can draw on a lot from that. Right. Uh, although I want to work in every genre, of course. Uh, but, but this one with brotherly lies, I also wanted to do, uh, I wanted to try and create atmosphere. I wanted to try and create a world of its own that an audience can just get wrapped up in the story and not be preached to, not be yelled at, not be, you know, told what to think. Just get involved and got to see how this plays out. I got to tell you, Crisis Hotline, you pulled that one off. I was totally intrigued with the story. Mm-hmm. You had such a great concept with you know, Danny calling up, you know, the, the hotline saying that he's going to kill these three people for ruining his life before killing himself. And then we get the flashbacks of the events building up to it. And I just yeah. saw it as, you know, it, I did not see it as no political thing. I see it as a, a kid coming from, you know, a new, mm-hmm. to a new land, starting a new life. And he got screwed over. You know, he thought he was in this great relationship. And then I also felt bad for Ponce's character because he was forced to do what he did that he was trapped up, yeah he was, he trapped. was definitely trapped he yeah was definitely so trapped. it was like he was forced into that and i felt bad for him and then you know i felt i, I thought that that cast was amazing too uh actually gave christian gabriel the first ever male perform best male performance award for crisis hotline 
because he did oh my such gosh a- how come i didn't know that yeah it was, yeah it's, it's it's on the youtube it's on the youtube channel but yeah i gave him oh i got it does he know thing. that i'm not sure oh i gotta let him know <laughs> if he doesn't I'll, yeah but he did he did such a oh. i thought he was phenomenal in that role well and it's it's interesting because you know brotherly lies of course is very different from christ's hotline it's uh it, it has, you know, obviously serious elements, but uh, I think it's a much more, it's, it's, it's not as dark. I mean, you know, it's more of a, uh, th- this one is much more of a, uh, it was kind it of, was a definitely tense. it was definitely, te- it was definitely, tense. Oh, yeah, no, there, there but, was, but it was, yeah, but like you said, it wasn't dark. It was felt, it, but it felt like a real, a real life situation that anyone, anyone could be involved in this. Mm-hmm. Despite well, it. you know, the other thing too, that was great about this was, first of all, I was, I was, I was so glad that all the technical stuff worked because we were really rolling the dice on a lot of things with this uh, because we really didn't have much of a crew. I mean, we literally had a crew of three. I mean, that was it, a crew of three to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, could we make, and it's a testament to the technology today because, uh, I love the way it looks. I love the way it all came together. Mark Balunas did a great job editing it. Uh, on Crisis Hotline, we both edited that. Uh, Mark edited all the Crisis Center scenes, and I edited all the scenes that weren't in the Crisis Center. This time, it was really helpful for me to turn over the editing to Mark Balunas, and I could work on the sound mix, uh, because the sound mix was challenging, I will say, because we didn't use a boom mic. We didn't, we didn't, didn't use that. Uh, because I needed the actors to be moving all over the place. And so we had to individually mic all of them and to have all of that, be able to go in and be synced instantly onto, you know, the SSD that, you know, that's where my husband's very helpful with that because he understands sound very well. He was a music engineer and he knows how to make all that plug in. Uh, And then, you know, using the ninja to mark all the scenes. So we didn't need another slate person. I mean, we ran the leanest ship I've ever ran on a film production and it actually worked. It actually worked. And, and, and Mark, you know, that's, what's great about my co-business partner in Diamond in the Rough Films. Uh, Mark is, is important in many ways, but as an editor, it's especially gratifying that I never need to like fix his work. I mean, it's basically, he knows exactly how I want it done. He's got a very good eye. He's a good director himself too. And him being able to do that and me being able to do all the sound mixing was really convenient. It allowed us to work a lot quicker and certainly a lot cheaper. Uh, and, you know, being able to create that, that lighting. I mean, we, we, we had two lights, the whole movie basically. And, and there's a number of those scenes that are literally lit with a candle. I mean, a single candle, that's it. Uh, and yeah, like the scene with, um, with Pano and Jacob at the bar where, you know, I love that scene. That's that's such a good scene because that's like Shane, you know, Jacob's character, Shane, that's like the, he, he finally kind of tries to empathize with Lex there. You know, he really tries to give him his heart as much as he's able to, he's, it's, he's trying to be honest with him. And that whole sequence was one candle, literally. You know, one one candle lit that. Um, and I also gained the other thing I gained through the Brotherly Lies experience. I learned how to color grade. Um, I mean, I knew color grading a bit, but nothing that to this extent, uh, because we shot it in, you know, an S-log. 
which, you know, when you get that footage, it's all just bland. I mean, because you have a whole range of colors to work with. And I never had that level of work to do on the color grading. I've done little tweaks, uh, very different from Crisis Hotline. Uh, Crisis Hotline, Dante, your brilliant cinematographer that he is, he kind of, because we were on such a deadline with that, he kind of baked in the look. So I only had to do little minor tweaks and it was great. But this time it wasn't baked in. I had to create it. And that was a great experience though. I learned a lot and I'm just really, yeah, what we've got now uh, has really, it, I don't want to say it came out better than I expected, but I think it, I think the look is better than I expected. I will say that. Yeah. What, um, what the look came out with, uh, I, I was, I was really surprised with it. I was really yeah. surprised. Yeah. That's the great thing with indie films, like, you know, especially with someone who's, you know, gradually start you know doing more and more films they're learning as they go along i, I feel mm -hmm. so you know like you just mentioned you learned how to do the whole color grade yourself and everything. a lot more yeah i got a yeah. lot better at it that's for sure and and you know it, it it's it's very gratifying to to hear um to hear how you appreciated the film because for me i grew up going to the movies i i i loved going to movies and there was always such a variety of films and lately, I have to say, I've seen a lot of, I'm not saying there isn't a variety of films, but a lot of the ones that seem to get on the radar, they they, they feel similar. Uh, I was wondering if you, do you feel that as well? Yeah, I, yeah. I've, like a lot of the Hollywood yeah. blockbusters, I feel like they're redundant. They're just like the same thing. It's kind of the same movie me. being made over and over. And I, yeah. I've also been seeing that a bit in the indie scene too. And so that also informs my choices a little bit in that, when I want to make something, I want to make something that at least I haven't seen before. Right. Um, and I've seen a lot of films. And that's one of the things that I kind of bank on is that I hope people will see that they haven't seen this before. It's yeah. not, you know, like I said, it doesn't have a political agenda. It's not um, angry. It's not trying to preach at you. Uh, it's just telling a story about people and how they have to deal with this situation all in their own ways and yeah. hopefully it looks and sounds good and and holds your attention for you know, i will say this i when i watching a movie i felt like if you ever go to a broadway show or like one of those old mm -hmm. stage places off broadway stage plays where it just it's all dramatic i felt like it was that brought to life in, in with this film because oh yeah as you mentioned the way everyone moved around and you you know the, they use that was a smart move that's good you didn't use a boom mic because i Mm -hmm. I kept worrying that was, you were going to see a boom mic at one oh. part, but now that you told me that you actually mic'd the actors, I think that's a, that's the like smartest thing. I think I think filmmakers can learn from you to do that instead of having to rely always on a boom mic, depending on the what they. Yeah, well, you got to be careful with it too, though, because uh, one thing we learned with the mics because they're wirelessly mic'd, you know, they were wirelessly mic'd. We, it's funny, we had tested these mics at at our condo, you know, where I lived and they worked perfectly. Well, the location that we shot at, which is actually my father's house, um, the location we shot at is built very differently. It's got steel doors, it's got much thicker glass. And we realized, oh, we have to alter some things because it would, it, you know, it was so well made, it would cut the signal off sometimes. Oh, wow. uh, that was a challenge. We had to adjust with that. Um, yeah, I learned, learned that lesson very quickly. Uh, and the other problem is not problem, but the other thing you're going to run into once the film is done, the one good, the one really good thing that a boom mic does is it gives you the ambience of the room. 
Well, when you have mics, you you just have the dialogue basically. So you really have to create a soundscape from scratch. Uh, I mean, with the boom, you still get footsteps, you still get doors opening. You don't get any of that with, with a lab mic. So every footstep, every door, every, you know, has to be put in every glass clink. Uh, and I did all of that too. I mean, that, that took a lot of work, but I also enjoy the process. So it's fine. And that's what's important. You know, everyone, everyone gets worried about money. Like, you know, how much money is this one going to make? I just, in my, like, from what I feel, I feel like if, if you enjoyed making the movie, that's, oh, that should be of course. Good it's where, I mean, making films are, it's where I'm at my best. It's, uh, um, I, it, it's funny. Somebody asked me recently, was this harder to do than crisis hotline? And post-production was harder on brotherly lies than, than crisis hotline. It, to, there was just a lot more that went into it, but, uh, in a way, I would say to shoot this one in a way was a little bit easier because, uh, we just had the one location. It's a big location. There's lots of spots on it, but it was just one location, very little crew. Uh, the actors were, were up for it. They were game for it. Uh, and it, it was, we, we kind of were forced to move quickly. Whereas with crisis hotline, we had a lot of company and we had a lot of company moves. And we also had a lot more darker, like sex scenes, you know, take a long time to do. <laughs> I learned. Uh, so in a way, they they were easy. It's it's kind of a wash, you know. No 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 feature film is simple or easy. No, it really isn't. Uh, but it's always incredibly satisfying. That's for sure. That's awesome. And I think I think everyone needs to definitely check out Brotherly Lies. They also they also need to check out Crisis Hotline. They they got seriously. I mean, these were like two great films that you've done. Well, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a couple of announcements here for you. Uh, <laughs> Let's hear them. We're all right. First We're here. You're hearing it first here. Um, we reacquired the rights to Crisis Hotline back from our distributor. Uh, we are repackaging it. We are going to put it back under its original title, which is Shadows in Mind. I have recolored it now, now with my new experience of color grading. We have a new soundtrack for it, whole new sound mix. Uh, new score, all brand new score, including a soundscape that is really going to be incredible. And I've even done a little bit of editing. It's it's there's some there's oh, some small edits. Are you saying we're getting a director's cut? Is that where you're? Is that you're what you're telling us? Well, no, and not. I won't say a director's cut. You're getting an updated cut. How there you go. That's oh, yeah, that's, a better, that's a better way to say it. Yes, but hold, but still, you know, those Crisis Hotline DVDs do have that great commentary with me and Tim Sika on it. Uh, but we are going to be re like I said, repackaging it, putting it out in a whole different way. It's, it's a very different feel. It also has a different beginning. Uh, it begins differently. Uh, I'm really excited about it, especially with the new score. It, it feels like a whole different movie in a way. And I can't, and I will make sure you get to see it first. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my God. It's almost done. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's happening with that. Um, brotherly lies is going to, I can also announce that it will go live June 17th and it's going to premiere on the fearless network. Um, it's going to be on fearless uh on june 17th and so that is where you'll be able to check out brotherly lies um it is going to be eventually on other channels and stuff uh there's one channel in particular that has already licensed it but it's 
that's going to go on there in a while. That's that's a way off. But June 17th, fearless, you'll definitely be able to see it. Uh, and I, I encourage everyone, you can get a seven day free trial to check it out um, and definitely do that. It, yeah, I, I, everyone, you got. Yeah, I got to say, guys, this was a really good movie. And, you, you know, if you're able to ch- get the trial, do it because this movie is definitely worth it for depth for sure thank you yeah it's it's uh i think it's a little different than what you might see and uh as i as uh, how, how did someone put it to me once they said this is the perfect movie to watch at night have a glass of wine get into it you know and just uh, watch it all play out or even or even get a bunch of friends you know if you just want something nothing too crazy you know just something let's just watch a simple you know just a movie about Mm-hmm. you know just people yeah like as you said this is that this is one to definitely check out and i think also I, I don't think you need to be i don't think your sexuality matters for it i think you can oh no i told yeah, it doesn't totally, matter I yeah think, totally uh, i think gay audiences can see things in it and straight audiences can see things in it yeah, exactly because i'm i'm so, straight and i and i <laughs> I, I love these type yeah. of movies you know just you know no there's no stereotypes or nothing like you know mm-hmm. like what we're used to it's just a movie about people you know going through like you said they, they just go through a traumatic event and it's just how they handle it and have to deal with you know, it. regardless of everything. So it's just wonderful. The, chem- like the, the chemistry is wonderful with the cast and all around is a great movie. And guys, I got to tell you, Mark was even great in it. You guys got to, <laughs> you want to see, you want to see the director in the movie. That's this is it, man. This is the one you got to check out. Yeah, it might, it might be one of your only chances. We'll see. But uh, another thing I want to point out, which was good about brotherly lives, which was different than say crisis hotline was, um, I got a chance to write uh, a really good female character for the first time. Uh, you know, Laura was great in Crisis Hotline, but she's you know, it's a very small part in the beginning. And I had one or two critics that said they would have liked to have seen more of her, you know? And I said, that's fair. You know, I could see that. So this time I really love getting to write. Uh, Casey Semple is an actress. I've, I've seen a lot of her work. I know her. I've worked with her a bit uh, on other films, not as a director. I hadn't had a chance to direct her yet. And I'd always wanted to work with Casey Semple. And she's got that whole kind of, you know, Jessica Chastain thing, you know, she's just great. She's just, she's just always so good. And I was so glad I finally got to direct her. I'd been wanting to, I'd been wanting to work with her for probably two or three years and finally got to do it. And, and uh, I was just glad that I could write a female character uh, that I think is interesting. And she was able to do a lot with it. And I had, I had friends of mine who've seen a lot of my work said, it, they told me it was so nice to see you write a female character that was really interesting and good. So that felt It good. was, and I especially love the part where she's talking with Shane and um, I, the way that David like constantly sugarcoats her job. And then she finally reveals the truth to Shane, what she really does. I felt like that mm-hmm. was a pivotal moment with that, with her character. Yeah, it was tricky because I, with that, what I wanted to do, I wanted to make sure she was being candid, but not illegal. Right. (laughs) You know, she plays this character who works for the Office of Foreign Missions, works for the State Department, and I did some research on what they do. And sometimes they're, they're dealing with classified stuff quite a bit, and they get to see some things. And that was this character who was becoming genuinely concerned and jaded about what she was seeing. And, but I said, she, I've got to write it so that she wouldn't, she, cause she would never, her character would never betray state secrets. She wouldn't, she wouldn't do anything illegal. She wouldn't reveal classified information. So that was, that was a, a, a fun challenge to write her monologue being candid, but not breaking the law. 
exactly. <laughs> about confidentiality. Yeah, but overall, man, this was such a great movie. And like I said, I hope everyone gets to check it out when it comes out on June 17th on the Fearless Network. And, Fearless, you know, it's going to be, I, I hope, like, it, it resonates with people, you know. Maybe it, re- it might resonate with someone who's been through, like, do something similar. And you know, Yeah, like, I mean, we've all been through traumatic events in certain ways. And, and how we deal with that it changes from person to person. And how we deal with loss. And how we deal with love that either isn't returned or might not be in our best interest necessarily at that point bad timing sometimes bad timing happens and we've all been there yeah we've all been there and uh yeah and and i'm writing my next film now uh looking forward to that i'm gonna i can definitely take what we learned uh on brotherly lies and we can use some of those lessons i don't know if i'd want to make a movie exactly like that again (laughs) i mean the the pandemic really determined a lot of that uh because we just had to keep we had to keep things so slimmed down just for safety reasons yeah and fortunately no one got sick we all got tested everything was fine but uh but it was it was a lot of hats it was a lot of hats more than your usual indie filmmaker hats (laughs) you know you're an indie filmmaker is going to wear a lot but this was quite a bit oh yeah Uh, but in the end uh i'm i'm totally pleased with the film i think the cast should be very proud obviously uh and i'm just glad they went on the ride uh because that you know it was it was this was before vaccines and they deserve a lot of credit for having the faith in the project to uh, i picked the right people clearly so you did and and i look forward to working with them again i'll work with all of them again that's for sure (laughs) That's awesome. Well, guys, check out Brotherly Lies when it hits the Fearless Network on June 17th. Look out for the updated edition of Shadows in the Night. Formal Shadows in Mind, yeah. Shadows, Shadows in Mind. mind okay. Otherwise, Crisis, Crisis Hotline. Yeah, but it's Crisis Hotline. Go back and, to uh, that. And yeah, that's you, exciting. They can find me. I'm, I'm at Diamond in the Rough Films. Uh, I'm DITR Films across all social media. And they can reach out to me. I'll, I'll answer, you know, if I can. I'll, uh, you know, I can answer questions if they you know, need some, need a pep talk or anything. I'm there, you know, we're all in this together. So I'm accessible. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about everything. And I can't wait to see that everything that's coming from you next. And I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. You will always be kept in the loop. I promise. All right. (laughs) Well, I hope everything, you hope everything's going well. You take, you take care. You too. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mark Schwab. Check out Crisis Hotline on DVD and Brotherly Lies premieres June 17th on the Fearless Network. You can see the link in the description below. Also, check out worldfilmgeek.com for the latest reviews, interviews, features, and more. And then next week, we will have another interview to celebrate Pride. So until then, we hope you have a great week. This is World Film Geek signing off. (laughs) 